1: you return that I might live in my father
2: house David showed more of the true spirit of God than on any other occasion. Gaining true kindness is an attitude of our heart. It is an evidence of the grace of God remaking our natural disposition so that we begin to show His nature to those about us. And yes, kindness is seen in our deeds, but it is so much more than that.
0: Kindness can be hard to receive, but it can also be difficult to give. As you listen to today's message with Pastor Mike, you'll learn that true kindness comes from the heart and it's evidence of God in your life. This means that kindness isn't always about the things you do or the things you say. It's more about the position of your heart. How are you with kindness? Do the people you come into contact with sense the heart of God in you? If not, seek God and ask Him to do a work in your life. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9 as he continues his message, The Kindness
1: of God.
2: So he said, whatever you say, I will do for you. Then they answered the king, as for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, Saul, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel. And this is what they decided upon. Let seven men of Saul's descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, And Gibeah, remember, was the city where Saul had set up his kingdom, whom the Lord chose, and the king said, I will give them. And so it is after these descendants of Saul's have been executed that David was moved by compassion. Now let's go back to 1 Samuel in chapter 9. It was then that David, moved by compassion, once again asked this question, that's recorded first in chapter 9, 2 Samuel, and verse 1. Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Okay, so one writer carefully, thoughtfully points this out. This is proof that the bloody wars in which David had been engaged up until this point had not destroyed the tenderness of David's heart. Remember what we're talking about, kindness, that virtue within the heart and life that should be present in every Christian. It's very much like our own God. So the very chapter that follows the account of all of David's battles opens with a yearning of affection, a longing for an outlet of feelings of kindness. And after all that David suffered, At the hands of Saul, I mean, this is really amazing if you think about it, that David would be this charitable, particularly as it relates to any of Saul's descendants. After all that David suffered at the hands of Saul, we would understand if he had let the deaths of Saul's son go unmourned. David also could have considered the deaths of the Gibeonites just an example of poetic justice. For who they were. Remember, they deceived Joshua. Would have probably been able to rightfully just think they were just getting their just uh, deserves. Well, anyway, no sooner did David verbalize his thoughts, he moves to action, asking the question, is there any descendants left of Saul? Okay, let's go back to chapter 9, verses 2 through 5. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. And so with a very cautious reply, he said, At your service. Now this fellow Ziba served in Saul's palace, during which time it seems as if he prospered uh, greatly. Uh, If you go quickly ahead to verse 10 of chapter 9, notice there we are told concerning Ziba that he had 15 sons and 20 servants. Do you see that there in the latter part of verse 10? So while he was a part of Saul's administration as king, he prospered, 15 sons and 20 uh, servants. Well, anyway, verse 3. Then the king said to Ziba, is there not still someone of the house of Saul? And this indicates that any of the descendants that may have been left, descendants of Saul, remained in hiding. Because, and they probably did a real good job in hiding. Because remember now, David is the king. And he certainly would have known if there were any other members of Saul's family. You know, it was the custom, actually, uh, You know, when one king replaced another in this particular situation, that David would have killed any of the descendants of Saul. But for the very reason of the covenant that he made with his great friend Jonathan, remember, he was going to bless uh, any of the sons of uh, Jonathan. So they probably did a really good job in hiding uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who are, are about to be introduced to. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul, verse 3, to whom I may show the kindness of God? You know, David wanted to show the very same kindness that God had shown to him. And I think that this is a great example for all of us. I mean, think about it. God has blessed us. How many times God has been kind to us when we didn't deserve it? And I think likewise, we should want to, in turn, show the very kindness that we've received of God to other people. That's who David was. And that's exactly the way uh, that we should be as well. Uh, Let's continue on in verse 3. And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. In other words, he's suggesting that he's worthless. Notice he doesn't mention him by name at this point. In his first contact with David, asking him this question, are there any descendants left? Notice he doesn't mention him by name. And this man, Ziba, is still looking to protect Mephibosheth, not offering uh, his name. But notice the way that he recommends him to David. The idea here, when he says that he is lame in his feet, hey, David, don't be concerned about this guy. He's worthless. He's lame in his feet. You know, don't be even concerned about him. Don't go after him. He's actually, Ziba's still continuing to try to protect Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. Verse 4. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Zeba said to the king, Indeed, so obviously David persists, indeed he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amuel, in Lodabar. And the king David sent and brought him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amuel from Lodabar. Okay, so the task of the messengers, you can be sure was a difficult one. I mean, they just hung seven of Saul's descendants. And obviously, when they took those seven descendants of Saul's, they didn't initially even know the reason why. And then they were hung. And so they were probably thinking, when they sent for Mephibosheth, what do you think Mephibosheth's first response would have been? And even Ziba's response. Was David trying to look for more people? to execute. So you you can only imagine how anxious Mephibosheth would have been when he was summoned for by David the king. He was probably thinking he's looking for anyone who might be loyal still to Saul, who might have continued to be a threat to David and his throne. Well, notice there in verse 5, when Mephibosheth is now standing before David, he sends an armed escort to load the bar to bring Mephibosheth to a court. Now, in spite of the close relationship that had existed between Jonathan and David and the covenant that he had made with Jonathan, it is unlikely that Mephibosheth had known any good thing about David. He was five years old when his father Jonathan had been killed. And now he is being brought to David's palace. And you can be sure that he was frightened and anxious about this meeting. Okay, let's pick up in verses 6 and 7 now. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness. And again, remember that repeated word throughout this chapter, kindness. The kindness that was revealed by David. For Jonathan, your father's sake. Again, the reference to the covenant that they had made between uh, one another. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Does that phrase sound familiar to any of you? That you will eat bread continually at my table. Listen. This was the very thing. This was a similar promise that Jesus made to all of his disciples. It's recorded for us in Luke's Gospel in chapter 22 in verse 30. And I want you to think about that. Since coming to the Lord, each and every one of us have been able to eat bread at the Lord's table. The idea here is that God has provided abundantly for us all the good things that God has given us, all of the things that sustain our lives. And so very similar to our own experience. So verses 6 and 7. And what a picture. I want you to think about this for a moment. What a picture now that's being painted for us here in these two verses. It's a picture in contrast. You have, on one hand, David, the warrior king, and then you have Mephibosheth, the crippled grandson of Saul. David is confident in the goodness of God to him. The other, Mephibosheth, has known only the bitterness of life's misfortunes. He shuffles towards David's throne, lets his crutches fall to the floor, and prostrates himself before the king. And David, sensing his fear, notice there in verse 7, reassures him that he only has in store for him blessing. Mephibosheth's reply shows the extent to which his sufferings have affected his sense of personal esteem. For in verse 8 we read, Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant, referring to himself, that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Talk about low self-esteem, folks. This is the way that he perceived himself, as a dead dog. Now, the kindness that David showed Mephibosheth was twofold. What was involved with it. Well, notice, first of all, he restored him all the land that belonged to his grandfather, Saul. And then secondly, David made him a member of his own house with a place at his table, the same as if he was one of his sons. And that he might not be embarrassed with having the land to care for. Remember, he was a crippled. He committed the charge of it to Ziba, who was to bring to Mephibosheth the produce, or its value. Let's read on there the remainder of chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. So at this time, the land and all that Saul had previously owned, it had fallen now into the hands of uh, David. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, as I've already mentioned. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king had commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, He shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Misha, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both of his feet. And so every arrangement was thus made that could contribute to Mephibosheth's comfort by David. Now, as I read and study these things, all of what's recorded for us here uh, in chapter 9, particularly in the last couple of verses, I can't but help to think about the grace and the kindness of God that each and every one of us have received. You know, if you think about it, this is the very same experience, our own experience. You know, in this, it's sort of like a type, if you think about it. David is sort of like a type of Jesus Christ, and I've already referred to that in some of our previous uh, studies, and Mephibosheth is also sort of like a type of all of, of us. I mean, think about it, in a very similar way, this has been our own experience. You say, what am I talking about? Well, David's kindness towards Mephibosheth was freely expressed. It wasn't warranted. Mephibosheth didn't do anything uh, that warranted David showing this kind of kindness towards him. It wasn't something that he earned. In the same way as Mephibosheth was forgotten, so at one time we were forgotten because of our sin. We were alienated from God. We were outcast. Likewise, we were crippled by our sin. We had nothing to offer God prior to our conversion experience. But let me say now, now that we are members of the family of God, we have an awful lot to offer him in return. Isn't that true? But prior to that, we really had nothing to offer God. We've been crippled by sin. We were living in obscurity, that is, outside of the economy of God. But nevertheless, God in his kindness sent for us. Isn't that amazing? God chose us. God sought us out. Even as David sought out Mephibosheth, we were sent for, we were brought in, we were made sons and daughters, and therefore a table was prepared for each and every one of us. And, gang, since our conversion experience, we have been eating at that table, receiving all of God's provision, all of God's blessings. So, do you see the similarities between the two? You know, talk about the kindness of God. Listen. In this, David showed more of the true spirit of God than on any other occasion. Gang, true kindness is an attitude of our heart. It is an evidence of the grace of God, remaking our natural disposition so that we begin to show His nature to those about us. And yes, kindness is seen in our deeds, but it is so much more than that. It must not be confused with things that we do. It's more than that. And it can be observed. And you know, you can probably think of people who possess this kind of virtue, people that you know. It is observed in a look that is felt in the way that people relate to uh, us. It's felt in a touch by the words that they uh, speak. And nevertheless, you know, the deaf would hear and the blind would be able to see that. Uh, in that individual that possesses kind of a virtue of kindness. So God help us to be these kinds of uh, people. Now, there's a couple of other things that I want to draw your attention to. Also, let me remind you, you know, this is something that God wants to work in each and every one of us, because it's very much like himself. And remember, we're being conformed on a continual basis into the image of Jesus Christ. That's God's purpose, at least part of God's purpose, a part of our uh, salvation and redemption, so that not only will we receive the forgiveness of our sins and secure our eternal destiny, but also that we will become very much like his son, Jesus Christ. Paul says that we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ on a continual uh, basis. It's a part of a, a process. So, this is something that God wants to work in each and every one of us, this kindness. And, you know, like everything that God wants to do within the lives of his people, everything that God asks of us, you know, if we make ourselves available to that work, there's always a blessing involved as well. Because this kindness sometimes brings an unexpected reward. For example, when we first learned of Mephibosheth, Staying in the home of Mekir, that was a part of the tribe of Manasseh in Lodabar, remember, early on in our text, Maker was faithful to the house of Saul, during which time, obviously, he was blessed. And he was faithful to the house of Saul. And he was unlikely to change his political loyalties now that David ascended to the throne. But you see, David's kindness towards Mephibosheth must have impressed Maycare towards David, gave way before the goodness that was in David's heart. You say, how is that? Well, years later, now I'm jumping ahead, and we'll get to this in one of our future studies. Years later, when David fled from the city of Jerusalem, when his son Absalom was seeking to kill and assassinate his father David so that he could take the throne, this fellow, Maycare, was one of those who voluntarily supported and sustained the king and his court, And you can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verses 27 through 29, you know, sometime during the week. And so in this act of kindness to Mephibosheth, David received an unexpected reward. You know, a fellow whose name was David Burton uh, wrote this poem And I guess that sums it up quite well. And it's really an exhortation. Have you had a kindness shown? Pass it on. It was not given for thee alone. Pass it on. Let it travel down the years. Let it wipe another's tears. Till in heaven the deed appears. Now, before we close out, one last thing. David's grace to Mephibosheth is also a pattern for us in serving and ministering to other people. Think about this. We should seek out our enemies and seek to bless them. This is what God expects of us. We should look for the poor. We should look for the weak, the lame, and hidden, and do everything that we possibly can do to bless them. We should bless others when they don't deserve it and bless them more than they deserve. We should bless others for the sake of someone else. Who's that someone else? Remember, David was blessing Mephibosheth for the sake of his good friend Jonathan. For whose sake should we bless those that I just mentioned, that would fall into that category of the sick, of the lame, of the forgotten? Well, how about Jesus Christ? We must show the kindness of God to other people. And so may God work this virtue within each and every one of our lives. That we may be kind, even as God has shown His kindness towards us.
1: In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be.
0: Oh, my! We're so glad you joined us today on "In My Father's House." for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online. Just go to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venezio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You get directions and service times at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at HarvestNYC.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram too. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. There's a place
1: for.